0: Good morning. This is All People's Church coming to you from somewhere in rural Louisiana. Beautiful, beautiful springtime weather here this week, and we are currently on a vacation, and we're beginning our service today from that location. Turn with us to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Today we're going to continue verse by verse, beginning at verse 3. Clint, would you read? Three through eight, Twyla nine through thirteen, and Daryl fourteen through eighteen.
1: We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in
0: all things we
1: commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in strikes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors in sleeplessness, in fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the word of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true.
2: As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you, our heart is wide open, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty.
0: Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy scriptures. Let's return now up to verse 3. But before I begin there, I want to talk about the theme. You may have heard the scriptures read and thought, what is Paul talking about? It's not necessarily easy unless you determine the theme and the theme is, he says, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. And he says it several times. We'll talk about that at length. And then the primary idea I chose, in the theme came from verse 4. The primary idea I chose from verse 3. It says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry not be blamed. Can I talk about verse 3 i won't ask denise to read it again since basically i just read it but my my initial thought about this was we are very careful uh, this is what Paul's saying paul paul is saying this and he's saying it for a reason but he says we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed he always uses the word our he seldom uses i but I I like to go ahead and substitute I because I know he's talking about himself and his ministry team, but I know he's talking from his heart. I want to put in there, he says, I give no offense in anything. He says that my ministry may not be blamed. We are very careful. My elaboration on that scripture is this. We are very careful to live godly, pure, even, may I dare say it, Spartan lives. We endure many hardships without notice or complaint, so the ministry will not be blamed. Also by definition, if you do not want to offend, one must be careful what one says. For this reason, personal opinions concerning any subject, but especially politics, should be limited if shared at all. And, and some of you may disagree with that statement. And after church, or in the question and answer part of after church, I am willing to give you my thinking on that or, and hear your thinking. But I think especially when it comes to politics, we should be limited in what we say if we say anything at all as ministers of the gospel. See, you can have a friend that you're making good progress with them as far as explaining the kingdom of God to them, explaining the scriptures. And then you can blurt out something that has something to do with, especially, might I say, presidential politics, and you can completely close off their heart to what you have to say. So sometimes it's not that you give up the right to vote. It doesn't mean that you give up the right to speak. It just means that all of a sudden now you're acting as God's ambassador. And as God's ambassador, there are bigger issues than presidential politics. Don't allow the gospel to be linked to a politician ever, ever. Don't ever let it be linked to a politician. There's some Christians and Christian organizations in this in these last couple cycles, and they've allowed their name to be associated and their ministry to be associated with one politician or one political party. And I'm telling you that is very dangerous. And why? It's because they're politicians. No matter how good a politician or political party seems to be, it must be understood that their first priority is getting elected or reelected they will take positions and make allies to achieve that goal they will do it their first priority at all times is not the purity of the gospel can we agree with that so that's the reason I say as an ambassador of God sometimes you have to soft pedal your own personal opinions. Have I always done that? No. Have I made some grievous mistakes? Yes. But let us all learn from our mistakes and do better. And Paul is saying, he says, I don't give offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Clint, would you turn to James three two and read that for us, please?
1: For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Able also to brittle the whole body.
0: Yeah, that's one of those scriptures that really is important to keep in mind. We need to bridle our tongue and realize that, that the tongue is the hardest thing to tame. It's so easy to say things that offend people. Denise, would you read verse 4?
3: But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses.
0: This is the theme. He says, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. He says, we suffer all things without complaint because we are overseers of God's people. And and he was. In fact, this suffering without complaint is a sign... And I agree with this. I believe it's a sign that he was called to that position. He says, it commends us. He says, this whole idea of commending oneself is very foreign to us Christians. You know, because one of the things that we seek to do is to remain submitted to God and to live a life of humility, realizing that we are just servants. We don't have any right to be boastful. Everything that's good in Denise and my life is really an outgrowth of God. And accepting the scriptures and living by the scriptures and believing and praying and asking God for help in desperate situations and difficult situations. And I could give you a whole catalog of things that Denise and I have been through. And when it's turned out well, it's been because of God. So there's no reason for me and her to be boastful. In fact, we should be very humble and, and show a great deal of humility. Paul is the same way. But he says, wait a minute, guys. He says, today I'm going to commend myself to you. It's like I'm going to write my resume and I'm going to read it to you. So let's, let's continue with that and, and sort of see why he's doing it. Uh, would you read verse 5? And in every one of these verses, I want you to put in front of that verse the theme of this chapter, which is, we commend ourselves. Verse 5.
3: In stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, stop right there see the first three of
0: those stripes imprisonments and tumults those comprise suffering at the hands of men or or earthly government the second three labors sleeplessness sleeplessness and fasting those concern ministry induced suffering and you say well how It's suffering in that we suffer the loss of free time. He says, I labor. And if you're going to be a servant of God, you're going to lose some free time. One of my great heroes of the faith, Faith, Daryl, and one of yours, he used to say, ministers of God don't have hobbies. (laughs) Ministers don't have time for hobbies. Well, I think you can have a hobby for sure. But you do give up a lot of free time because, because why? You study the Word of God. You pick up the phone and call people. You know, sometimes you might want to just go out to, the, to your garage or your shed and just work. You know, you might want to just go do something that you want to do. But as a, a man or a woman of God, you have higher priorities than just hobbies. And so you labor for the Lord and you give up time for Him. The Another thing you do is you lose sleep as a overseer. See, one of the things that happens when you decide, and I won't say you decide, but if you ever feel called into the ministry, that's great. And I, and I want you to answer the call. But I want you to know, that as part of ministry, you will have some sleepless nights because you care about people. You pray for them. You hurt with them. you, You go through things with them. Sometimes you see them making mistakes and it just kills you. And sometimes it's going to cost you some sleep. Even if you don't pray. It's probably the best thing to do when you're having one of those sleepless nights is go ahead and get up and pray for them. Sometimes if you do that, then you can gain some, I don't, yeah, you can get some (laughs) peace over it and go back to sleep. And then the other nights you just don't want to get up and pray. And then you just sort of toss and turn for hours. Paul is saying, listen, I'm commending myself to you because I want you to know how I live. He's, he (coughs) says in stripes, he says, I have been beaten for the gospel he says, I've been imprisoned for the gospel. And prisons are no fun place today, but back then they were horrible. <laughs> he says, I've been in riots because of the gospel. That's tumults. You know, this, this is the tumult kind of idea where things are just getting crazy Where he's, where he's at. He's in a way, I'm sure he is responsible in some way because he's presenting the gospel and he's getting a lot of pushback and in in some case he's so successful that it causes a riot because some of the people are so upset it'd be like in a present day situation might be like if if a preacher down in the french quarter in new orleans he has such a revival down there that nobody's going to the bars and all that kind of stuff well the bar owners are going to get all mad right they're gonna they're gonna try to break up things and that's what paul was doing he was He was doing a a great job for the Lord, but sometimes it caused the tumult. He says, I've been in all that stuff. And then he says, and he says, I labor, I lose sleep, and he says, I fast. And you know, when you fast, you suffer. True? When you fast, you suffer. You put your body through some stuff that your body doesn't want to go through. And if you say, well fasting a meal doesn't really bother me Well, fast a day you say well fasting a day doesn't really bother me well you fast three days then i promise you there's going to be a point in there where you're going to be suffering and your body's going to be talking to you and it's good for you and i and i fully support fasting but i'm just telling you it is a form of suffering that you endure because of your work for the lord Sometimes when things are really serious, when you're really going through a difficult time, one of the things you can do, you can fast and pray. And I, I'm telling you, it does make a difference. Denise, would you go to verse 6? And, and before she says, before she, I want to insert this again. He says, we commend ourselves as ministers of God.
3: By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things.
0: Okay, there's like five verses there, guys. I'm not going to delve into each one of those items that Paul talks about, but this week, take a few moments and go through that list and meditate on it. Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to enlighten you about what paul is saying there there's a lot in there but we absolutely have don't have time to go through those five verses today and pick them apart but paul is saying listen i'm commending myself to you as a minister of god and then he goes through that list our lives i want to concentrate on verse 10 he says as sorrowful well i'll go to verse 9 he says as unknown and yet well known As dying, and behold, we live. As chastened, and yet not killed. Verse 10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Every one of those things, it's sort of like a contradiction, if you will. It's sort of like a dichotomy. And he says, as poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing all things. To me, he's saying our life is marked by contradictions and surprises, by great crises crises, and great deliverances. We are poor as having nothing and yet possessing all things, he says. This reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 29, if you want to make a note of that scripture. In that scripture, Jesus says, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Yeah. So you can meditate on that scripture and say, Lord, what does that mean? How can I give up everything and still yet have receive a hundredfold. If I give up all rights to land, if I give up my inheritance, how can I have a hundredfold? See, that's worth meditating on. And he says, and shall inherit everlasting life. And so Paul is saying, look, you got to understand. He says, we are poor, yet we make many rich. He says, we have nothing yet we possess everything. Verse 11 and 12, please.
3: O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections.
0: Twilight, I thought you read this really well because you said, O Corinthians. Do you see that he says, O Corinthians, exclamation point? O Corinthians. He's like, he's like, talking to to a child or someone that he deeply loves. He says, oh, Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. He says, I've laid open my heart. He says, I would never talk like this to someone else and commend myself. Talk about myself like this. He says, I've opened my heart to you. He says, my heart is wide open. And in verse 12, he says, you are not restricted by us. He says, this is on you guys. He says, I'm not responsible for this for this break in our relationship. This is on you guys. Oh, dear Corinthians, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. What does he mean? Let's talk about it. What have some said about us? And Paul's talking here, right? Paul is the one that's doing the talking, but we can comprehend this if we put ourselves in his position. He says, What have some people said about me, calling me all kinds of mean and cruel things and misrepresenting me? It has caused many of you to become cool toward me. That's what Paul is saying, I believe. He said, "What You've heard all of these things that have been said about me, and because of that, When I talk to you, you have like a different, you're you're cool to me. It's like you're distant from me. He says, it's caused you to be doubtful of us. It's caused you to doubt our motives. It's caused you to doubt our message. Even outright lies and misinformation is used to discredit us in your sight. How current, yet how ancient are these tactics of our enemy? Satan always wants to call into question the truth. Always. That's his first thing he wants to do is he wants to cause you to doubt truth. Especially God's truth. But a minister of God, he also wants to call that minister into question. He wants you to doubt that minister. He wants you to to doubt the, the love the minister has, doubt the minister's life. He tries to question God's truthfulness and motives, and you can be sure he will try to do the same with God's ministers. Verse 13.
3: Now in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open.
0: Yeah, he's saying, look, guys, I've been open to you. Now it's time for you to be open with me. He says, look, he says, stop what you're doing. Turn off the television. Put down the cell phone. He says, look, I need you to stop for a minute and open your heart and listen. He says, I've commended myself to you. Now open your hearts to me once again. Listen to the message I have for you. Before we get to his message, and we've probably got about 10 minutes left in our service today, we talked earlier about the fact that we don't want to do anything to inhibit God's message to others we want to be his witnesses we want to be beneficial to others right Paul says I'm poor but I make others rich well how does he do that well he shares the gospel with them you know when Denise and I sometimes we again I'm using I don't I don't really want to commend myself to you guys but I'm just using myself as an as an example Sometimes there's things we want to say we don't say. Sometimes there's, we want to get our feelings hurt. We don't want to get our feelings hurt, but what we, wanted, we want to react to the fact that our feelings got hurt. But you know what you got to do as a minister? You got to put all that stuff away and say, no, I serve God. And what they said about me hurts, but, but it's not going to deter me from living Christ-like toward them. Denise and I are not always, we don't always succeed, but we try. But the benefit, if we can do it, is that the message of the gospel is not inhibited. If we can keep ourselves under control, if I can keep my political opinions to myself sometimes, Then later, when I get a chance to talk to that man or woman, they will not inhibit telling them about Jesus Christ. And I could use a whole slew of examples. I'm picking on politics a little bit because it's been such a a raw thing in our society for the last 20 years or so at least. It seems like maybe 30. But Paul is saying, I'm commending myself to you. He says, I live a blameless life. I do everything for the gospel. I have suffered for the gospel. And he says, guys, all of these things that these people have been saying about me in Corinth, I I believe he would say to them, he says, look, you need, first thing you need to do is you need to realize who you're listening to. Compare myself as a missionary evangelist to you there in Corinth. Examine me and compare my message to the message of others Compare my conduct to the conduct of others. He says, I've commended myself in all of this to you for a reason. I'm doing this for a reason. I don't don't normally talk about what I've done. I don't normally sort of elevate myself in your sight. But he says, I'm trying to set the, the, the record straight. A lot of things have been said about me that are not true. In particular, he would say to them, they've questioned my authority as an apostle. They've questioned my authority as the founder of this church and the pastor of this church. And he says, look, I'm today, he says, I'm trying to set the record straight. And there's a reason that he's doing all of this, because he's got a message for them. And instead of talking about the message that Paul has been giving to them and running the scriptures and, and seeing where the message is, they've attacked Paul instead. See, they've attacked, it, they've attacked the witness, so to speak. That's what the defense attorneys and the prosecuting attorneys do, right, in a court. If the evidence that's being presented by that witness is very damaging to their side, to the person that they're representing, whether it's the government or the, or the defense, what are they going to do? They're going to attack the credibility of the witness, because maybe they can't attack the, the evidence. The evidence may be there in black and white. The physical evidence may be presented right there as an exhibit in court. So the next thing they're going to do is they're going to attack the witness. And that's what they've done to Paul. So let's find out why. Let's go to verse 14, Denise.
3: Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? See, Paul has previously
0: called on the Corinthians to separate themselves from idol worship and to stop going to pagan temples. Paul once again visits the very issue that has created such a firestorm of criticism toward him. He says, Corinthians, stop. Open your hearts. Listen to the message again. He says, look, I'm going to present the message to you again. He refuses to be muzzled. He won't allow the message of Christ to be tainted and the call to holiness to be watered down. He cries out against mixing Christianity with other things. Verse 15 and 16.
3: And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said... I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people.
0: Do you hear that? He says, what does Christ have to do with Belial? That's like the devil. The, these two things, you don't mix these things. He says, don't do that. You as a Christian, don't go into that pagan temple and sit down and eat with them, those guys. And basically he says, I know and you know that offering that food to the idol doesn't mean anything. But he says what you're doing is you're causing harm to other Christians when you do it because they don't know that they don't have the same amount of faith that you do. They don't have the same knowledge that you do. He says you're causing harm in the church when you do this. He says he's he's asking them stop doing this. And I think every pastor of every church across America ought to be saying the similar thing to their congregations. Which is, do not mix the things of Christ with the things of the world. They don't mix. Don't do it. God is holy. And God says, for you are the temple of the living God. See what Paul is saying. He says, you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God is holy, so we should be holy. See, that's Paul's message. It's a message of holiness. This is an Old Testament theme repeated often in many scriptures by multiple prophets over long periods of time. That's important. That's the thing I want to key on are the themes of the Bible. And this is a theme. He says, be holy like God is holy. God wants to dwell with us. We should be careful to heed it. He wants to dwell among us, and in our present time, His presence is available to to us by means of the Holy Spirit. Verses 17 and 18.
3: Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty.
0: Verses 17 and 18 can be summed up in the phrase, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. It's one thing that I try not to do. And I know that there are times when I do grieve the Holy Spirit, but I try not to. And when I know that I've done something that obviously would grieve the Holy Spirit. I try to stop, repent of what I've done. If I need to go make it right with someone, you know, if I've if there's a chance I've offended my brother, say, in some way, if I've acted in a way that was not Christ-like, with a merchant or with a lady behind the the cash register or some other way I want to repent before the Lord I want to make it right with that person whoever it is even if it's a stranger and then I want to say Holy Spirit forgive me I I know I offended you please please don't pull back from me I'm acknowledging that what I did was wrong I want to reverence your presence Daryl, would you read Ephesians 4, 25-32?
2: Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are not, excuse me, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor Working with his hands what is good That he may have Something to give him Who has need Let no corrupt word proceed Out of your mouth But what is good and necessary for edification That it may Impart grace to the Hearer and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom You were sealed for the Day of redemption Let all bitterness wrath anger, clamor, and evil speaking put, be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Guys, would you, Amen.
0: would you note that scripture and read it this week and meditate upon it? That's really good. And it really encompasses all the things that Paul is saying in this sixth chapter. He says, I strive, I strive not to be offensive to anybody so that the gospel of Christ, so that they can hear the gospel of Christ. And then furthermore, as he says, and he gives a whole list of things that we can do. I just love the fact he says, he says, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. And even as even as god in christ has forgiven you he says he says guys we need to live right we need to we need to live christ like i just i just feel like i could talk for a long time about this these verses from ephesians 4 but we can't today but they're really good and it really gives us an understanding of who paul is and how he conducted himself and how he tried to teach the churches in the early the early churches how to live a lot of the things that we learn as young christians as baby christians had to do with understanding salvation things that they were the foundational items of christianity but see we're going deeper in these epistles by paul we're going deeper he takes this Many of the things that Jesus said and he he puts elaborates on them so that we can know how to live. And do you see what he says in the middle of that thing? In, in the middle of those scriptures? He says, Don't grieve the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the greatest friend you have. He's the, he made, he's the difference maker in your life. So many times, you know, we were talking about when things go well, we don't have any right to boast for crying out loud, the Holy Ghost is with us. The Holy Ghost is helping us. We just ought to be thankful. When when our life is bringing up, (coughs) when, you know, instead of a wasteland, all of a sudden our life is starting to bring forth fruit and flowers and green things are growing, we don't have any right to boast. The Holy Ghost is living in us. He's helping us. He's speaking through us. He's guiding us. He's such a help to us. It's Jesus' plan. It's the Father's plan. Was The Holy Ghost was to, to come and dwell in us and with us. And he said, it's going to be much better for you. He said, it's better that I go to heaven and send the Holy Spirit to you. And Paul is telling us, and I, I think... Again, I think it's clear teaching of Jesus. It's like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's your friend. In conclusion, Paul is not saying, Paul is not saying, poor me. He is not saying that. He's not saying, I'm so misunderstood or mistreated. He's not saying that. No, not at all. He is confronting the personal attacks and misinformation about him because it has caused some in the church to close their hearts to him. The same is true for all of us. Sometimes we don't want to commend ourselves again to others. But we unfortunately sometimes have to in order to keep the lines of communication open. We aren't fragile and we can deal with the junk that comes with life. But sometimes we have to set the record straight for the sake of others. And that's what Paul is doing here in the sixth chapter of Corinthians. And I might just say it in this way. Just kindly and calmly set the record straight so that others will open their hearts to you and to the truth. That's the end of our message today, and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it'll help you to grow in the Lord. And I hope that you'll be able to meditate upon it this week. So glad that you were able to join us today. Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20.31, But these are written, speaking of the signs that Jesus did during His earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of His Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation. So say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you. This concludes our message for today.